Good morning, friends. This is Joel Martin with you for the Everlasting Word. Now, today we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 1, and we're going to focus on verses 16 and 17. And the focal part of this message is where Paul declares that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul uses some very, very strong words, and, and one of those being ashamed. So, I believe you and I need to kind of take a step back and ask ourselves the question, if you're truly saved, am I ashamed of the gospel of Christ? And your first reaction might be, no, I'm not ashamed. But then we really need to think about, as God has led us to be a witness to a coworker or to our neighbor or our teammate or whatever that, our business associate or whatever, and he has led us to be obedient and because of fear, we were disobedient. But as, as we go through this message, we will understand that that fear, the way Paul is putting this across, is really being ashamed. For we say here in verse 16, for Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome, and Paul is in preparation to go visit Rome. And Rome is a very hostile place to Christians. And some of Paul's peers had, had been advising him not to go to Rome. But Paul pins down here in Romans 1 verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For out of that hostility that he might face, uh, he doesn't know what he's going to face, face at Rome. He is just being obedient to the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul himself had even stated before, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. For Paul did not care what might happen to him. He was going to be completely obedient regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the outcome. He was going to be completely obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Paul was basically saying, I don't care what the Romans might do to me. I don't care if I get through in jail. I don't care if they might, if they might kill me. I don't care about these things. I'm going to be fully sold out. And, and I am not going to be ashamed whatsoever of the gospel of Christ. And then Paul has to ask himself, he says, well, why am I not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? For Paul goes on, he says, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. But then we ask ourselves, why is it? that we might be ashamed at times when the Lord is leading us to do something. Well, it's, it's one word. It's because of fear. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 might shed a little more light on it. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So if we share a definition of the word ashamed, a shame could be defined as a reluctance to do something for fear of being embarrassed or humiliated. Because of the, we live in a lost and dying world that thinks that but believing, in, believing in something you can't see, 
You can't touch. You can't feel. And they think that's foolishness. But see, if they would ever come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they can under, they would be able to understand that yes, you can commune with the Lord Jesus Christ through the per- third person of the Godhead in the Holy Spirit. You can commune to him. There is some reality to serving a Savior that came for us, came, came and died on the cross and shed his blood for you and I. But see, out of that fear, in a lost and dying world thinking that our faith is foolishness and the preaching of the cross is foolishness out of that fear of maybe being embarrassed or humiliated or laughed at or talked about behind your back. Out of that fear, we become disobedient to the Lord and and, and we don't carry out what the Lord has led us to do. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this. I don't care what might happen to me. I don't care what might be said about me, for it is the power of God into salvation. The grace that the Lord Jesus Christ has shed upon my life is more powerful, and I, I love and I appreciate that more than any persecution that might come my way. So that's a great lesson that you and I need to learn from Paul's statement, for he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, we ask ourselves, what is the gospel of Christ? If you're out there and you've never been saved, <clears throat> please listen to this. For Roman, Paul summarizes the gospel of Christ in Romans 1, verses 3 through 5. For he says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, He's touching on here how that Jesus Christ, the incarnate Christ, he came to this earth in the likeness of sinful man. Although he was God, he came to this earth in the likeness of sinful man. And it says in verse 4, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Here in verse 4, Paul is talking on Jesus' resurrection on that third day. As Jesus told the Pharisees, as he told the Jews, you destroy this temple and and in three days I will raise it up again. And then in verse 5, Paul points out, by whom, whom being Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. For Paul's touching on here in verse 5, that salvation is by grace, for we are saved by grace through faith, and not of our works, lest any man should boast, for it is the free gift of God. That, that summation that Paul gives in verses 3 through 5, is the a short summary of the gospel of Christ. Jesus, lost friend, Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. He did for you what you could not do. He went to the cross of Calvary. He died. He shed his blood because he loves you and he he died. And if you would just come to him by faith, you could be saved and your eternal destiny rather than being a devil's hell will change and it will be heaven forever and ever and ever. But see, that is the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on, he says, it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, what is it about the gospel of Christ 
that gives it power. For friends, before Jesus died on the cross, mankind was helpless. Mankind was held to the law. The, the law was condemning. There was no con there was no forgiveness in the law. Once you sinned, you were condemned. But when Jesus came and he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, and on that third day he rose again, the day of grace began. And you and I, when we sin, we can, we can come to him. And as 1 John 1, 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But see, we're the power of God is, is God. Jesus came and did for you and I what we couldn't do. We could not satisfy God's law. We could not live up to the law. For Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And what that means is he came in the flesh to satisfy God's law and do for you and I what me and you could not do for ourselves. And by him being able to do that, he was able to go to the cross and be the un blemished Lamb of God, he that knew no sin became sin for you and I. He was that unblemished sacrifice, and on that third day he arose, and by that, if we just come to him by faith, believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess the fact that we're a sinner, and we ask him to save us, therein is the power of the gospel, for if we do those things, we will be saved. But see, that is the power of God. And it goes on, it says, to everyone that believeth. The gospel does not exclude anyone. God is no respecter of person. He does not hold a race of people above any other race. He does not hold a nation of people above any, although Israel is God's chosen people, but in the, in the, in the facet of salvation, there is no nation held above anybody else. There, it does not matter what's in your bank account, how much might be there, how little might be there. It does not matter of your social standing. It does not matter. For salvation is for everyone. And as John 3.16 John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how the gospel is offered to everyone. No one's excluded. But friends, you got to make the move. You got to, by faith, draw near to God. And the, and the Bible tells us if we draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to us. We have to approach God by faith. We have to believe him that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And through that reward, rather than suffering eternity in a devil's hell, we can, we can live with him in, in glory in eternity in heaven. But see, in verse 17, it says, For therein, for therein what? For therein the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As we come to God in salvation and we're walking with him in the spirit, it's God's righteousness that is that is coming out than being a testimony to a lost and a dying world. It's not it's not our righteousness. For friends, the best you and I can do is as of filthy rags before holy and a righteous God. For if we're walking with God by faith and we're walking in the spirit, we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, that righteousness 
that's coming out of us, that lifestyle that we're living, is a testimony of the righteousness of God, and it's a it's a shining light, and it's a testimony to a lost and a dying world that the power of God is 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 resting upon you, and and the righteousness righteousness that you have has nothing to do with yourself, but it has everything to do with God. But then verse 17 ends and it says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, sometimes I struggle with this word faith because a lot of times I want things written in the clouds. I want it spelled out for me. But friends, that's not how it is. We are to live by faith for we know that Abram he left his father's house, he left his kindred, and he went into a land that the Lord showed him. Abram didn't know where he was going. He was just following the Lord by faith. Now, we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, there is some reality, that word substance, there is some reality to our faith. And one day, <clears throat> Friend, if you're truly born again, one day your faith is going to end in sight. Right now we see the Lord Jesus Christ through an eye of faith, but one day we will stand face to face with him and our faith will end in sight. And in that evidence of things not seen, we can all testify those of us that are truly born again, we can testify of instances in our life where we knew God came on the scene. There was evidence that God was on the scene. We could not see him. We could not touch him. But there was evidence. There was truly evidence that God had come on the scene and that he, he had taken up abode with us and he had revealed himself to us through the person of the Holy Spirit and that evidence was there and we knew that our faith was real. But see, a lot of times, friends, <clears throat> we want to try to walk by sight rather than by faith. And we need to, I know that that's a natural tendency, and that's that tendency of this flesh. But friends, the just, who are the just? The just are those who are truly born again and have had a salvation experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith before God the Father by, by our faith in the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the just being you and I who are truly saved. We shall live by faith. That is spending time on our knees, and that is spending time in God's Word. And if we do those things, we will overcome that fear, and we won't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, that's the message today, folks. I hope, uh, hope it's been a help to you, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I will be back with you next week. This is Joel Martin.